welcome to the second season of Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen. I am thrilled to be here. The party's already started. Uh, the wine's been flowing already. We're, it's true. Uh, this is a different kind of show tonight that we've been working on for probably about two or three months now, Scott and I. Um, our publicist extraordinaire, Scott Engel. Thank welcome. you, thank you very much. I'll introduce our guest. You don't even wave yet. <laughs> uh, before we do anything else, I really want to take a minute and thank the folks here at Riverview Studios. We made it through a whole first season, nine episodes. Uh, the support has been amazing. We have a whole community now of people who watch the show, people who've been on the show. It's been wonderful. If you have any filming needs, I really recommend come to the studio and walk around. Take a look inside. Our guests are, are marveling over it. We sit here on the banks of the Delaware River. Uh, there's multiple studios within the building. Uh, this is a three-camera HD shoot. There is a um, control room uh, back right behind where the camera is seated. Uh, we have great audio. We have great visual. It, everything here is done to the nines, but that's not the most important thing. The folks here at Riverview are talented, they're creative, and they're cooperative. So if you have a filming need, if you want to put anything together, come here and talk to the team here. They're absolutely fantastic. Go to riverviewstudios.com. I guarantee you right here, it's going to say that by the time we're done. We'll say riverviewstudios.com. All right, there we go. So here we are. We finished a whole first season, and this is something Scott and I have been working on. Uh, this is a different kind of show, and Scott, what I'd like to do is have you introduce our guests sure. and talk a little bit about what we're going to get done tonight, because I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, we have two very special guests uh, this evening. Uh, to my immediate right here, my good pal Tom Janarone, uh, also drummer of the, of the Smoking Jackets. He gets to stare at my butt for a good, you know, <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Tom. It has its downside. <laughs> yeah. And Tom's uh, credentials are, are very long, but uh, very knowledgeable about booking bands and what bands are doing wrong and what they're doing right and how they, and next to him is my very good friend Mooch. Mooch is the uh, lead guy, lead singer, front man of Big Bang Baby. They've been together how long? Like 19 17, years? 18 years, 18 years. 18 wow. years. So he knows what a thing or two about reinventing a band and keeping it fresh uh, and keeping the people coming in and we'll talk more about that I think. Well, that's great. We, we've set up a really uh, ambitious agenda for tonight, and, and I suspect at some point this paper is going to get thrown away because we'll have too much fun. But the idea is this. This is a, a one-off kind of show where we're going to talk about the business of music. We're going to talk about everyone comes here with their own specific, really, set of credentials and experiences. Right. And this is one of those shows where we want to take the collective wisdom of, not mine, because I don't have it for the, I don't, <laughs> and I'm not being falsely modest, I don't have it. But the three of you have a lot of collective wisdom, probably 90 years amongst you, of booking bands, playing in bands, refurbishing bands, and, and all that. And I think we'll have a lot of fun tonight doing it. Um, but before we do that, before we do that. Uh, the play. Yeah, that's right. You have to play the game. You got to play the game. All right, Scott, you've played it before, so I how have, do you find so I'm, yours? I'm, I'm, I'm omitting myself. Okay, so. Watch season one, first episode, episode one, and you'll that's know. That's right. So, all right, where's the pistol? I love getting ninja. <laughs> yeah, all right, here we go. What game? What game? So, Tom. It's called Ninja. So, Six Degrees of John Bon Jovi, it's just like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. We want to see how you get there. Take us between you and John Bon Jovi. Well, it's kind of, that's kind of easy. I met John back when I was the uh, general manager of Birch Hill in a playpen, back between 89 and 91 in that area. He used to come in with uh, so many other guys from the band, and that's where I met the whole band. He came in a few times. Okay. Uh, 
And I then, more recently, I've become uh, uh, pretty uh, close with uh, David Bryan, who's just an amazing uh, guy. He's the lucky one because he can go out and not get completely swamped. Right, right. Uh, and just what, a, what an amazing guy. Uh, John's brother, Matt, and I have been friends for 20 years, and oh, okay. I'm also an attorney. I've represented Matt in his, uh, some of his business ventures. Okay. And uh, his brother, Tony, also used to come into bar anticipation uh, back in the day, too. So, you know, that, that's just, and, this, and the spaghetti sauce is pretty darn good, too. So There you go. You know? <laughs> now, 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 so people don't know because we haven't, Dug deep in it. You, you're either an owner or the owner of Bar A. Yeah, I operate Bar Anticipation. I've been in the nightclub business for over 30 years. Wow. And uh, prior to my to Bar A, I guess, started back in 91, 92, I was the general manager of the Playpen in Burchill. And that is where I really cut my teeth with bands, the original bands. I was booking nationals and hundreds and hundreds of cover bands too and that's legendary i mean art stock was the owner yeah. of that and, and i've read articles about art stock yeah. he was a colorful character as i understand i miss art dearly i was art's right hand man yeah. he told everyone that we met that uh, uh that i was his son he he loved paul too uh that's i mean that's how how far far back everything goes and he was a great guy he's the, the only person I ever told doc mcgee that he didn't know what he was doing <laughs> wow, that's great that's great all right, well, let's, let's get through with this game. So, Paul, you have a name. You're not just Mooch. You're Paul. I'm Paul. I'm right. Paul Anthony. Mooch. Well, my nickname is Mooch. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. It is It's a pleasure. crock, right? I know. This it's, is going to be great. Oh, pleasantries. But it is. I love it. I'm, I'm glad Your to be here. check hasn't cleared yet. Not yet? gentleman. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my connection, we're playing the game because I remember you sent me the email. So my connection really only is, like I put in the email, it's Sam Borah's from Woodbridge. I'm from Woodbridge. I'm a Woodbridge native. So Sam Borah is from Woodbridge, even though personally I do not know him. Somebody that I grew up with is personally great friends with him, and they grew up together. Of course, there's a story behind it. It kind of, the two parted ways, but I won't say who. I'm not going to say any names. It became a little bit bitter. Okay. That makes for interesting because, TV, though. Well, you know, because there's one guy that stayed behind, and okay. Richie excelled. Right. Okay. So I had to listen to this for like 20, 25 years. I'm like, are you done? Can we just go get a burger now? I get it. You give love a bad name. Leave it on a prayer. I'm good. So anyway, that connection, and uh, I kind of knew his father, Adam. Okay. In town. All right. So, and a couple other people. But I didn't know Richie actually directly, even though he grew up in my town. And they did name a little street after him. A small little side street called Richie Samboro Way by Woodbridge. Did they really? Yeah, yeah. It's, Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, sure. I do not have a street named after me, uh, unfortunately. There's probably a whole bunch of Scott Ways, though, right? They're, they're, yeah. I'm going to take credit it. for those streets. Yeah, yeah it's called Pfizer Way. Yeah, I, thought it was one, <laughs> I thought it was called One Way. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Hey, you know, before we move on, I, gotta, I forgot. I got swag. I got to show off our swag. And then nice. we're going to, I want to dig into you guys a little more. Scott, we know about you. We're not yeah, going to talk Yeah, I'm just here to add a comment that, or two I, I, I laugh at Tom's jokes. <laughs> You have to. <laughs> so first of all, I really want to thank the folks here at Riverview uh, that came out with this great second generation. This is a GT 2.0 shirt, and I'm going to flip it in a minute. And then we've got the beautiful Riverview emblem on the back. Nice. That could be a hand model. There you go. What do you think of that? And the other thing I want to point out is we have a brand new set 
uh, for this year. If the camera can pan it a little bit, I love this new set. So we, we've freshened things up a little bit for um, season two. We have a bar back there. If anyone wants to grab a drink, they can. <laughs> Easy time. Uh, but, but I really appreciate it. And this is really another example uh, of what happens here at Riverview. Uh, we didn't ask for it. We just came in, and there's a beautiful new set for us. And that's how the Riverview people work. They're always thinking about how to make things better, more interesting, more comfortable. Uh, so we thank you for it. Uh, I want to dig in a little more now with you, Tom. So let's talk a little more about what got you involved in the music business. In other, were you a drummer when you started with Artstock or no? No, I started when I, actually when I was in high school, I started DJing a little bit for private parties. And when I went away to college, I was a DJ and an MC. Okay. And then uh, Jimmy Barber from The, the Smoking Jacket said to me, because uh, at that point I hadn't played drums. Had you and played he, any instrument at all? No. Okay. Uh, he'd set, I, I was a sound man right. back when I was in high school for Jimmy's band. So uh, what town? A band called Center in o Ocean Township. Okay. Uh, Monmouth County, Ocean right, Township. Right. Okay. And uh, I used irony, to... The irony, by the way. Sorry. Why? Oh, the, yeah. The irony. I know, right? And I used to sound check the drums. And I, just, I could, I could kind of keep a beat from watching, okay. but I never actually played. So he, we went away to college, and I was DJing, and two guys came to him and said, hey, Look, you know, we, we want to put a band together. Two, kids, two guys from a soccer team, and we were on a football team. Okay. And he goes, be our drummer. And I said, okay, let me buy a drum set and <laughs> learn the songs. And that's how the music thing started for me. Uh, so now you're still in college, right? So are you playing in college, or is this maybe when you're home over the uh, summer? No, this was strictly in college. We played every keg party, and that turned into all the local bars, and then we played in Philadelphia a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, and we played, then we played all the big senior nights, so we were, we were pretty active uh, in college, but every practice turned, into be, turned out to be a keg party, because we just set up the equipment anywhere we could, and just jammed, and everyone showed up with beer, and, uh, and kegs, and people, and girls, and it was crazy, so every practice there were girls there? Was yank, right? <laughs> was kind of crazy. Well, it was a teacher school, so there was, there was plenty the of girls. Where, where did you go to school? Uh, it's called Rowan University. It was oh, yeah, called Glass yeah. First State College okay. at the time. Oh, okay. Edwina Morgan. Was that your band, by the way? That was a band down there, Edwina Morgan. No, the band was called The Smoking Jackets. Oh, it was just, even back then it was The Yeah, that's jacket. where The Smoking Jackets started. Okay. Was the, it wasn't my, my name. It was uh, the guys that asked Jimmy to be in the band, Jimmy and I to be in the band. It was, uh, they'd come up with the name. So what brought Jimmy back? To, was he going to school there too? Yeah, Jimmy and I were roommates in college. Okay, okay. So and did you go to high school together too? Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. And grade school. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, from, from grade one. And you still get along. Yeah, I imagine that. Yeah, that's great. All right. How could anybody? And, and then from that point forward, so then how did that segue into you becoming a manager working with Artstock? Uh, when I gradu I graduated with a public relations degree, and we were one of the top schools in the country, but I didn't want to go to your traditional Manhattan suit and tie kind of place because or Philly. I remember that Rowan was known for communications. Yeah, that, that was, was their thing. Yeah, yeah, that was our thing. Yeah. And, and it wasn't Rowan back then. Correct. It was Glassboro State College. Yep. When yep. I graduated, it, just, uh, it was just bought by Rowan. Right. Uh, so when I graduated, after, after I graduated, the girl that was, I think it was top in our class, uh, she had gone on an interview with Art Stock about a public relations position to oversee his nightclubs. He had three nightclubs at the time, a couple horse farms, the Birchill Swim Club, the Jersey Shore Basketball League. There was a whole bunch of things. 
So she called me. Uh, her name was uh, Trisha Letson. I, I got to throw her name out there because she's yeah. an amazing, amazing girl who really gave me uh, your start. Yeah, gave me a start. Okay. Uh, just by referring me, she said, "Hey, look, I think this guy's looking for a guy. I don't think he, he wants a girl." I didn't really ask her why, so I showed up, and he had like 30 people sitting outside waiting to interview. Hmm. In a, I remember it was the middle of July, and everyone's in shorts and t-shirts, and I'm in a suit. <laughs> and I was dying, and he knew my parents. Okay. So he, when he saw my name, he put me ahead of everybody else. He hired me on the spot hmm. and kicked everybody out. Uh, so, so very, but very quickly, I went from the PR position. He realized uh, how many people I knew and how, many things, how much I knew about music. I became general manager of the nightclubs pretty much right away. So you were like a regional manager of multiple clubs. Yeah. I That's was a big deal. Predom yeah, there's one in Rochester. I wasn't up there that often, but... I was predominantly at uh, the playpen in Burchill. Okay. So within six months of me being there, I became the, the, the GM, and then I was booking, uh, booking the entertainment. And it was a little different back then, booking. Oh, I can uh, imagine. As far as press kits and whatnot. Maybe I can't imagine. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was very crazy. I bet it was. I mean, there was an article I read, I don't know if it was like a New Jersey magazine, but it was about the legendary times of Art Stock. Oh, yeah. And I, it was just a crazy time. It was crazy. It was, it was a crazy time. It was a time where, I mean, it, it, think about how hot it was. You, you, had, you had Skid Row. You had Bon Jovi. Uh, you, yeah, because Skid Row just, had just hit. Because this was, so you're talking 89, 90, 91. Okay. Bon Jovi's, get, bon Jovi's getting, you know, Bon Jovi's not getting. He's, he's already huge. After right, Slippery When Wet was, what, like 85 or something? Right. And then uh, Skid Row had just hit. And then a couple other Jersey guys, and at that point, Zach, Zach Wild, also from Jersey, born in Bayonne, he was in Jackson at the time. Right. Zach was playing with Ozzy. Right, right. And so there was such, there was such huge synergy, and everybody, kind of like what Paul was saying, you had a lot of guys that were that just made, like just missed. And that's true of the whole Bruce Springsteen thing, too. You had those guys. You had the, you had the Bon Jovi guys that almost were Bon Jovi. Then you know all the Bruce guys are almost Bruce. Okay, yeah, yeah. And what was interesting is that all the almost Bon Jovi guys were up in the Middlesex County area, hanging at the playpen and jamming there. And all the almost Bruce guys, uh, like John Eddie and uh, Glenn Burtnick and all these other guys, were all like Stone down Pony. down hanging at the Pony. Right. Uh, so it was a very exciting time for music, and 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 I think it really caused a lot of live musicians to put together bands because the number of press kits I got on a daily basis was staggering. I, I, it was a full-time job just trying to keep up with that. What would a press kit look like? A press kit back then was all cassettes. Okay. Typically it was a cassette and either a folder or a clear plastic folder. Uh, and what the, the, the mailman asked me, I had a milk crate at the base of my mail. My office was on the roof of the playpen. Okay. Is that uh, the one that was at the base of the Outer Bridge Crossing? Uh, it's not at the Outer Bridge Crossing, but over it's it's on Route the 35 Route in Sayreville, in South Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. over in that area, you're, you're okay. Right. My office isn't there anymore, but it is a uh, crazy sex club. So we might have to go see. <laughs> might have to go see what my old office looks like, Mooch. Yeah, it looks like we have a post-show thing to do. There you go. <laughs> and so I used to have a big milk crate at the base of my uh, mailbox, for and every day it was like boom, 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 boom. And I mean, you listen, some people wouldn't take it seriously and just be a piece of paper. Right. Some people, well, you would just leave you a cassette. Uh, and, and back then, a lot of people would hunt you down. 
which is something they don't do anymore. No one hunts you down. No one because it's not face to face anymore. Y yeah, it's, but and and, all, and I don't yeah. and that really hasn't changed. Like I don't know why. I, I don't know why that uh, hasn't changed. Would it work if someone were, were to hunt you down and you would maybe take a look in their eyes and say that they're <laughs> earnest and they're trying, or would it just be annoying? No, it's it's not annoying because if a, it depends on how a person does it. Right. And you know, when we talk about what you should do and shouldn't do, I can expound upon that. But uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with if you show if. Uh, th it's a business, and that's th the biggest problem that these that these bands have is that they don't approach it like it's a business. Right. So, if if it's a business, if I see you, you're coming to the club, you're watching the other bands, you're learning you're you're learning what's going on. You walk up to me and you say, "Hey, my name is so and so." In fact, the band a band called Turnstiles, who ended up doing very very well, and I ended up managing them uh, okay. for years. They they became a huge uh, Billy Joel. Uh, it wasn't just a Billy Joel tribute. They did a lot of things. But they were they played a lot of big gigs for a lot of big money. And they came to Birch Hill. On a, I could tell you where I was standing. And Joe Bazone, the lead singer, he was with Rob Cash, uh, the bass player who you know, owns a bunch of restaurants. And uh, he shook my hand and said, hey, how are you? Why don't you do this myself? My name's Joe Bazone. I have this great band called Turnstiles. This is my cassette. I really appreciate it. If you gave it a listen. And... Hey, look, I don't want to bug you anymore. If you want to grab a beer, the beer's on me. If not, you know, I hope you enjoy our CD. And that's all he said. That couldn't be more perfect. And you know what? And yeah. that is perfect. And, and you know what else? That translates into any field. Right. If I'm hiring a young attorney and they say, here's my resume. Look, just take, take a look at it. You know, no rush. If you want to give me a call, here's my number. Otherwise, I wish you a good day. That's the way to approach it. Absolutely. It, that, yep. And if the, and if the musicians would approach getting gigs like any other job, like any other person approaches getting a, a, a real job. You know, first of all, I think that when a musician says real job, I think right away they're selling themselves out. Because yeah. it is a real job. Right. Absolutely. Can, well, you be can you be successful with it? Some can, some can't. You know, certain jobs, a, a lot of jobs, you're not even going to get through to school. For, forget ever getting a job, you won't get through to schooling. Right. So hearing a musician say real job, I'm like, well, you, you can't be real serious if it's, not, if it's not a real job to you. So if it was approached a little more seriously, I, I think people would have a lot better success. That, that, that couldn't make more sense. Now, let me, let me switch over to you, Paul. And, and I'm having trouble remembering your name because everyone calls you Moosh. Moosh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So let's talk about your career. I know you're in the building industry also, mm -hmm. but you've been an active touring the planet in various bands. So tell yep. us a little about you. Uh, well, I've done two albums, basically two albums, and actually they weren't released with Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. Uh, I lived with him for a year up in Syracuse. That was um, a quite interesting forecast every <laughs> night. I don't recommend Syracuse in January. Uh, yeah. But uh, yes, and I did actually did one European tour well, actually with Michael Arbini with Taiketo too as well, his band Taiketo, which we all know. Also awesome, amazing um, band. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually came off of tour, I think if you're asking the question, yeah, with the yeah. cover circuit, coming off a of tour and coming locally to the cover circuit was kind of like, <laughs> let's say, uh, jamming a big vial of insulin to somebody without putting it in very slowly. <laughs> you know, here I am playing, you know, uh, uh, music with Joey from Anthrax Professional Music, an amazing front man, uh, even this guy Danny Vaughan from Taiketo, who's an amazing front man in a, in a festival, 100,000 people in Belgium, 
And I get back to the circuit to poor Billy's in Woodbridge, a very right. famous club until, of course, he passed away. And Tommy knows all about him. Uh, and that was my first time really experiencing the cover circuit. And I had asked Billy, he was in his office, and I called him five times back and said, the manager, can you get him back here, please? And he comes back, what's wrong? I'm like, I just got off a tour. This is your biggest band? And I can't say the name, of course. I'm assuming, you know, to protect the innocent. They'll edit it out. But the band that I saw was one of the biggest bands in the year. I said, so this is it. This is the cover circuit. He goes, yeah, that's it. It was a culture shock for me right. compared to what I used to do. But I adapted well, of course, when we talk about it more into this show. I learned how to adapt to change over from the international. And I realized how dark of a circuit this really is. This circuit is so dark and disrespected. So, that what, do you, so what do you mean by dark? It's, to, to a lot of people, they look at the cover circuit as something as a joke. And there are some people on the cover circuit that make it a joke and treat it like a joke. In other words, they don't take the, the replication of the song seriously enough or they don't make it their own. They're just sort of going through the motions. Going through the motions, yep. Yeah, uh, I don't it's believe... Deep, it's deeper than that. They, they criticize the very concept of imitating someone else, making money to imitate someone else's uh, music. Right. So, Which, it, so self-inflicted insults is what you're saying. It, it, to me, it's just a, it's a Bush League excuse because it's the same thing as a, a national artist recording like the Ataris redoing Boys of Summer, so you might as well call them a cover band. Right, right. It's right. a reboot. So it went national, so they're going to take it a little more seriously. No, if you want to get technical, they are a cover band then. Right. It doesn't matter where you're at because on the cover circuit, this man I've known for a long time takes it seriously. Everything he does, everything he does, Scott takes his guitar playing really seriously. I respect that. There's a lot of great players on the circuit, and there's a lot of hacks. I call it the hacks are the ones that I call the accountants on the Harley on the weekend. Right. And they still have the Walmart tag hanging. I'm like, buddy, you get the Walmart tag. Well, I, I, think, I think the people that, uh, well, actually, we should start by saying that this, this whole cover circuit, this cover circuit magic that we have in New Jersey, it, it doesn't really travel far through the country. Really? I mean, you're really, you're talking about like Mary, maybe Maryland, not even so much in Connecticut anymore, a little bit in New York. I mean, in, in, if you look at the Jersey Shore, where there's a, country, where there's a, a cover circuit, right. you go to other parts of the country and there's bands that play, but there's not a lot of, I, I guess because things are so spread out. Well, you, you know what I noticed when I, I haven't seen you yet, but I have to see your band. And you guys just played last week, right? Yeah. That's yeah, I saw that on right. Facebook. But I've seen you guys play, and there, it's two things. One, you have followers. Like, people, people aren't just randomly, and they're not just randomly in a bar, and you guys happen to be there, and all oh, good. I know these eight out of the last 15 songs they played. No, they come to see you guys, and that's number one. Number two, there's joy. Like, there is joy that permeates the building when you guys play. And that's what you guys accomplish. Like, th there is genuine, unadulterated joy in the room. When I, and I've seen you guys play, I think, three times, of late, maybe four times. And that's what I see in there. They're familiar with you guys. It's not that they're just familiar with the songs. They're familiar with you. And, and, and the idiosyncratic things you do with, you know, with the, the confetti gun and when, and when you and Jim do your guitar thing. When he, you it's know, it's but corny, it, but it works. People love it. But, but, but there, there is love in the room. Like, like they know you guys, and it's, it's so much deeper. And I wouldn't have known this until starting to watch you guys. 
is that it's so much deeper than someone happening, happening to know a specific song and think, oh yeah, I like that song. No, I like what these guys do with that song that I also love. Definitely putting your, your spin on it. That's why I'm not a real big fan of using tracks. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with tracks. Yeah. I mean, Mooch is a, a, a consummate musician. He's, he's proud of his, his chops. Yeah. And, and he's made, he plays drums, sings, guitar, bass. I mean, I've seen him different variations of Big Bang over the years. I've seen him do it all, play it all. But <clears throat> sometimes you see these bands, they just, they use a track, and well, they're the, not even the a guitar band. guy's not yeah. even playing. No, I, or the bass I mean, player's yeah. not even playing, and that makes me crazy. No, you the, get, the scene's changed. You know, it, it, the scene has changed dramatically because back uh, when I was first old enough to get into clubs, and I missed the, I had to wait till I was 21 to drink. I just missed by a year, right. but you know, back then they were a little more loosey goosey, and I was going to the pony when I was not, when I was 19 uh, and 20. But you know, back then the drinking age was was younger. DWI, you know, a, D, a DWI penalty meant uh, the cops took your beer, right? And uh, you know, there was, you know, a, there, there wasn't this big safe sex thing with AIDS and everything, and the entire it was a different it was a different world. And the bars were open seven days a week, and there was plenty of work for everybody right. and you didn't have to have a following and that's where people get hung up in this business where musicians get very frustrated is because the, the game's changed right. it used to be who's the best band to put in the room to entertain the people yep. the, the business models changed Whoa. but the the people back, circling back the, the people who were the, who seem to be the haters are the original musicians who don't want to play covers who resent the fact that they can't get hired to play anywhere. The right, number of right. cover rooms ha has gone, has, has diminished, like, like extremely, and trying to even do a cover night in a club is very difficult because you don't have the masses of, of people going out to see live music anymore. Well, let the me, tech industry's killing it. Well, let me, let me jump in with this, what you guys both brought up. I think you brought up Scott. So, so you get the guy with the computer and the track and the guitar with a great voice, Right? And not even lacking talent, but I can't envision live music with less energy than that. I, and, and they're good, but there's no energy. Well, you know what's, you know what's funny? Well, I, I gotta say something real quick. I yeah. gotta, this is something that is worse than my childhood working with my family, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that says a lot. I don't even know your family and it says You don't want to. They're all Italians and all crazy. Okay. Um, you know. But anyway, I went to a bar one night, a room down in Lang City. This is a true story. This is where I, I've, had, I've had, had it. I was at the end of my rope with music. There was an eight-piece band on stage. Right. There was a keyboard player with two stacks of keyboards. There was two guitar players. There was two female singers. There was, of course, bass, drums, uh, even a sax player. And I'm listening. They take a break, and I walk over to the keyboard player, and I say, excuse me, are you writing samples? He goes, yeah, we are. I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> right. And he goes, I don't understand what you mean. I'm like, I know. That's why I'm asking you. I says, why are you running samples? You have a full eight-piece span here. He goes, well, it makes it full. I'm like, huh, all right, well, listen, have a great night. Here's a dollar. I put a single on his keyboard. I went, I'm very sorry. Well, there's an, there's an argument anyway. It's true. Either, either way. It, you know, it's, 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 en it's entertainment. The, the same argument exists in the, in the, in the, in the uh, vocal circuit with, right. uh, with the harmonizers. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, you know, and, and auto pitch, you know, no, auto tune, auto tune. Thank you, thank yeah. you. With, with, with not the harm, yeah. The, with auto tune, 
Auto-tune is, is a big thing uh, with, yeah, do you like hearing that with you or not? So the, the, the irony is, is that a lot of the people that I know that, that use the, the uh, tracking and everything are great musicians. But they and they are all more than capable of covering it, but they just think it adds to their show. So here, it doesn't add to their show. It's a Linus blanket. Yeah, yeah. Now let me throw this out. So that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I run. I know you do too. I run the lecture circuit as a lawyer. I always give seminars. So sometimes I give a seminar to a to a TV camera, and sometimes and just last Sunday I gave it to ninety lawyers. The energy that comes out of me, they didn't say much out there. But just knowing they're there adds to my energy, and then it, it's a little better. I'm I not, thought you'd prefer a TV camera. No, I mean, there was a camera, too. There was. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, oh, come on. But, but, um, but it adds to the energy. So I'm thinking that this could apply to what you guys are chatting about, which is that if you're truly playing, and you know that if you hit that a little off, or if you're singing without um, auto-tune, right, I would think it's going to add to the energy you're giving to the audience if you know it's truly you as opposed to you plus some samples. Well, I, I think the thing is, even for like, let's say a guy like Sebastian Bach, all right, he's been up in the years now, was a great singer. He might not be able to hit all of the high notes. You know what? Change the notes up. Go low. Your fans will accept you. Yes. Don't exactly. try to reach for it, change it. Mm -hmm. They'll understand. Or even with a, even with a cover act. I, 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 I did a couple of shows this year. And I didn't have my full lineup. He knows, Tommy doesn't even know my lineup anymore. He just guesses every, every weekend. Right. <laughs> I have a different lineup. So we, we did a show. Some things are based on numbers of what I get paid. Right. So You I, can only afford so many people per gig. If they're giving you this much money, you right. can't have eight pieces. If they're giving you right. this much money, you can. There's only, a few, yeah. there's only a few long outstanding venues. Of course, I started at Bar A, and Tommy was the one actually where we're sitting here discovered. And was, we, we launched Big Bang in Bar A, our first show. That's great. You know what I mean? That's what we, I knew it was going to start there anyway, because he's, you know, he's the master ambassador with the music scene locally. But, um, you know, I did a show down in Seattle City, and I went to acoustic. I just had my bass player. Uh, our female singer had a ukulele, and I had my drummer. So we walked in, and there was this huge arena system, lighting system, everything. And guy maybe looked like, he still had long hair, mullet. I, I'm still thinking he probably was wondering if Rossington Collins is still together. But <laughs> he came up to me and said, is, is the rest of your band coming? I'm like, this is the band. He goes, um, you have samples? He goes, you have acoustic, you have a bass, you have a ukulele. And he goes, what are you guys playing? What are you, what are you like, a, 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 like a tiki style band? I'm like, no, we're going to do funk and rock. And we did a full show. And after he got done, he goes, I cannot believe what I just heard. Because everybody sang, we had three, four part harmonies. That's going to fill it up a lot too. Exactly. It's yeah. how you choose the instrument and what you choose to do on it to fill it up. Right, right. And we were blowing away bands that were full bands with samples because we sounded different we sound, and it was breathing. Right. And he came up to me and goes, I never heard this before. I said, less is more. Not oh, more yeah. is more, less is more. Mm -hmm. That's... That's, you know, right. and, and then the, the, other, the other thing that why you need to, why you know, Big Bang's the most prolific band out there, because they've survived all of these things, the, the shrinking of the number of people that go out. Then the, the thing in the, in the 90s was there was this big switch. Everyone was playing classic rock. Right. So then all of a sudden in the 90s it became, everyone was calling alternative music, which means something different now. 
Right. And alternative, then there's alternative. Chili Peppers kind of stuff, you mean? Yeah, so okay. that kind of changed. And then music was kind of in a limbo for, for a while. So what had happened was you had all these great classic rock bands. And then what they just did is a lot of them just learned new songs. But it doesn't always work that way. So, it, it, so that filtered it down smaller. Only a certain amount of those classic rock bands were able to make that transition. Right. Uh, to cut their hair, change their, because it wasn't just changing the songs, it was changing their sound, it was getting, it was being, it was creating something new again, which, which again, Paul's here, he's the master at, at continually reinventing himself, his band. I, I get excited, like every, they've been doing New Year's Eve now for years, and you know, every year he's got something, there's always something new, and, and, and not just New Year's Eve, but just every year he just, I don't, I don't know who's going to show up. Everything, the set, the, 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 the pillars, the, the girl playing violin. I'm like, what? <laughs> the, the new songs and the spin. It's not just doing the songs, the cover songs the way that they're covered. But it's, it's, it's the ability. There's a fine line between having the ability for, for, the, for the cover band audience. Right. You can't just go out there and do your own rendition of something unless, you're, unless you have really, really crazy diehard fans that don't care what you do. For the, for they want to know the song. They want to know the song. So if yeah. you could take that song and, and you can kind of reorchestrate it so that it has all the most important parts. Look, you can do whatever lead you want, but certain songs, you better, there's certain parts of that, of that lead that you better nail because people are listening for it. You give the people all the little, little bits and pieces of the song that they know, you can add and change things uh, within that song, and you can repeat love it. a chorus they love more than they have in the original. Mm -hmm. right. you as can long as they, they get it, they don't know why they yeah. love it, but right. they love it because you're giving them something. You know, I say it's, you know you're capturing that 10 seconds of lightning, and you're yeah. and you're doing it over and over and over again. And the more times you can capture that 10 seconds of lightning in a show, the better you're going to be. And that's what I see when you guys play. What did you want to say? I wanted to add to him, and he's right. What we've lost, the biggest thing that we lost in entertainment, in the cover circuit or anywhere, is we lost personality. Oh, yeah. right. That's what we've lost. And the reason why sampling is so bad. It's cookie cutter. It, it's cookie cutter, yeah. and it's destroying the personality because it doesn't give room to breathe. Right. Let me right. tell you, there's Stop. nothing worse than seeing a band use a track. If that wasn't bad enough to me personally and professionally into Mooch too, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when that train <clears throat> comes off the track, uh, in other words, uh, the drummer might come in too soon, or the keyboard guy oh, comes in too soon, or the singer yeah. comes in too soon. Now, the track is going. The track You're is a gear. The track that. is a computer. There's no the track small is, mistakes. Yeah. That's it. The track is going. If you fall in front of it or behind it, you're going to get hit by the train. It's th and it, it's, just, it's like I go, ah. I literally make a like, oh my God face because it's so horrendous. And sometimes they can't even recover. I've seen right. bands just like stop the track, try to get out of it, try to play, and, and it's like it's bad news. And, and how could that be satisfying? Sure. How could that even be remotely satisfying to someone in it's, a band? It's, a it, 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 it's not, Dave. It, yeah. it, it, it's not. I, I, you know, my mother always said, my mother always taught me one thing when I really, she's out, nothing, there's nothing bad. Your mother used tracks? <laughs> nothing bad. Yeah. We'll talk about the bad after we're done off the show. With your therapist? <laughs> it, with my psychotherapist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, some things, a lot of things change, but, you know, pair classic Levi jeans stay the same. And that goes right. for the guitar and you stand over there hooked into that amp. That doesn't change. You might have all the apps, all the sounds, all the amp farms, whatever you want to do. That doesn't change. That's Levi jeans right there. Right. And that's the problem with these musicians. They think because they get indoctrinated into thinking 
that you have to do this. No, you don't. There's no rules. This guy knows it. That's why him and I get along so well, because we know there is no rules. It's whatever you do to get it done to entertain and what you bring out with your persona. There is no persona left. Even when he came, I'm happy that his band came out. Now, a lot of people bitched about, I've heard people bitch like, what's he doing playing in the band? He's the one booking the bands or running the bar. Well, they didn't really know him. I'm like, he started as a musician, right. you idiot. <laughs> I said, you don't do your homework. I said, you don't even know what Google is? Look him up. So no, don't do that. Yeah, don't. Well, <laughs> not on the dark internet. I'm a setup. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But he's a, you know, so my point being is, is that, um, you know, Tom's out there doing it. I'm glad that they're doing it. Scott's out there and what these guys are doing. They're doing it without samples. And, you know, when they first started, they were very green because they were a brand new band. But they played years before. Now they've, they've kept going up and up and they're great. And they're entertaining and they're fun. And, and they're real. And they're and, real. And the other thing is so. And I love it. I, I see you guys, you have fun every time you play. I see you laugh at each other yeah. when yeah. you play. We and laugh at our mistakes, you know. We that's why we're, we're laughing about all the track. time. We laugh at our mistakes. That's why we laugh the whole set. That's he'll, the best he'll, goof, she'll goof something up and I'll turn around like, and you'll just start laughing. It's the best. <laughs> well, you know, so let me do this. I'm going to segue a little bit right now. because So we've talked about what it takes, I think, to put together an authentic cover band, right? And, and we know every... You, we've talked about it. So, Mooch, you're good at reinventing and staying current. You've been booking bands forever. We haven't talked as much with you yet. You are, and, and you'll say, no, that's not true, Dave, but it is true. <laughs> you're, you're a marketing genius, and you understand social media. I want you to talk I'm, a little... I'm good at the social media thing. You're um, really good at it. In the early days of the internet, that crazy thing, as Brian Mackey said on the right. show, which really cracked me. It was fun. But what, talk uh, to us web. about the mistakes that, that you see a lot of bands making, because... Bands have to get through to someone like Tommy. What do they do wrong where they're screwing up with Tommy? Well, it's like anything. Uh, when people take to the internet and they're in charge of their advertising, they're really just amateurs. They don't really know what they're doing. So they have no basis, they have no bottom line about where things ought to go, when you post, when don't you post, what do you post. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, my biggest rule, uh, is you got to stay away from controversial and political stuff, let's say. Um, no matter what you're feeling inside. Exactly, on your artist page. Now, Mooch will disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, I, I, he, I don't think something. I've actually said anything, you've said anything controversial on the Big Bang page. This is more or less your Not even my personal page, page anymore. I'm just, I'm done with it. Yeah. It's well, just boring. Right. But you got to think, what I think of in my mind is, let's say you're in Madison Square Garden, you're, you're, you're in the front of the stage, you got a microphone, you say, New York is the greatest city in the world. And everybody goes bananas, right? How many thousands of people are there? If you say something dividing, maybe half the people in there will right. cheer. You have, to, you have to include everybody. You have to make it fun. So all, all my our promotion for the show has been lighthearted, fun. I'll share little clips of kids playing guitar and stuff, you know, and people get a kick out of it, and they'll share that around. They might not share something they don't like or stop watching the show or stop going to see your band or even worse yet, get into it with you. And if you right. have a day job and you say something off kilter on Twitter or something, it can come back and haunt you and may even get you fired at your real job. So you got to try to keep it uh, even keeled. Well, and you know, the other thing consistent with what I've seen from you guys, and I'm sure with your band too, you go into a room where you guys are playing, it's just joy. It, it's, it's people 
who have either great, medium, or bad lives, and they go into this venue, they want to be uplifted. They want to feel good. They, they, want, it, they want this community around them because it's not just the, the four people who went together who are having a good time, and they're not overtly necessarily interacting with these four people. They might. I mean, it's a bar. But, but seriously, like, you know, if, if there's no hookup necessarily, but they're just enjoying it together. So when you're bringing that kind of positivity, and, and it's not sort of that in the back... In the back, yeah. yeah, and not in the back of someone said, "Oh, that Scott said something really nasty." I don't know, but his music—they don't have to worry about that, right? Because you're putting out pure positivity. It's right. their escape. That's what that you're. you're you, you, it, that's down to it's you know part of the things you need to do to get a, to get your band booked, and marketing is part of it. The other part is you have to understand. You need to know your audience. Right. Knowing your audience is, why are people out? Why are people here? Do you hear because they want to get away from controversy? They want to get away from uh, aggravation. They, they, they want to slip away and, and, and be social and then you know, drink some alcohol, maybe lower inhibitions and listen to music and not be bothered. And you don't want to bring up controversial things. We're not, we're know, not there to make a statement. Well, I think, we're I think, entertain. But I'm not even a, a fan point. of, I'm sorry, Mitch, I'm not even a fan of the death dedication at a gig. You know, let's say that too. Tom Petty, rest his soul, and a great musician passes away that night, and you get on stage and you cover, uh, you know, American Girl or something. I'm not a fan of like, and this is one's for Tom Petty, blah, 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 blah. Because everybody's going to go, what are they going to do? Oh. Right. And then you play American Girl, and you're going to get a kind of melancholy, you know, reaction, and people. You know, Let the music speak for itself. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. joyous songs. Yeah, yeah. we, just, we yeah. just played a song. We have Eddie Money songs in our set. We have a lot of dead musicians in our set. The Reigns? <laughs> oh, right. And we love yeah. them all. We do. We all love the them all. And some of them have passed away pretty close to gigs. Right. Um, but we never, you know, we made it a point not to dedic death dedicate, I call it, uh, a song before right. we, we did it. Just kind of, it, it brings the mood down. People I think know and, and who died. And if you're going to do a, de a death dedication, so to speak, you could do it. You could say, you know, this one, go, this, you know, this one goes out to Eddie Money. And, and if people don't know, no. The people that don't, don't. But you don't want people, you know, to get up there and say, you know, I'm dedicating this song to, you know. Everyone Blue, quiet, quiet. Yeah, quiet. Blue. Mar 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 Mary Lou Sue lost her battle with, with pancreatic cancer and, uh, you know, she's. Triggers. We're, yeah, we're, go we're, we're going right, through yeah, the funeral trigger tomorrow. People. Not to right. be disrespectful, but that's, that's the kind, that, those kind of things are a bomb emotionally in a room full of people who have people in their life that passed away from awful diseases and yeah, stuff. Right. I'd like to say something. What, what Dave was saying when he first started was, Dave was talking about um, unity on stage. Mm -hmm. And you tapped on something that has been affected by me through so many members of my band. Yeah. And then every time somebody in my band would, somebody would run the, run, run the limit in the term. Okay. My biggest thing, and Tommy knows with me, I keep an eye, most important thing is I keep an eye on everybody in my band and they don't even know it. Now you're gonna know, I guess you're gonna publish this. <laughs> my dirty secrets. But it's my old job almost to personally manage them without them realizing it. Okay. To watch their either uptick or their downtick. And I start to see them doing a downtick, I have a talk with them. And what's a, the, what does a downtick look and smell like? A downtick look and smells like not smiling much anymore on stage, right. um, complaining about maybe the set times, little things or the food sucks. I just see little twists and, right, right, right. you know, and that's the first flag for me. And then I'll pull them aside and have a talk. I see everything all right? Everything good at home? He goes, everything's fine. I says, just checking. Right, right, right. Okay, and then I'll go another couple of shows and watch if it continues. Then I'll have a second talk. 
and then it gets to the third or fourth. I say, listen, now you're f infecting the rest of the band, which you were talking about. Right, it's the positivity or the lack of it. Yes. Yeah. Now people are starting to pick up on that in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, that's when it's time for me to make a decision either, I have the last talk with them to say, listen, either fix yourself, which is okay. If you're going through something, you can't do it on the stage. Right. Because you have other people up here that rely on this income and rely to put on a good show and they're happy to be here. Right. And it's like any, again, again, it goes like back any other to, job. It's a business. Right. It's like right. any other job. Exactly. Don't bring your personal life. You're fighting with your wife. You're fighting with your husband. Don't come to work and, and, and brood and let it destroy your productivity because you're getting paid. But, but here's the other thing. Here's the flip side of it. What a wonderful opportunity to uplift yourself in a difficult time. Sure. So if you're having a rough time at home, maybe the flip is to say, you know, I'm going to experience the satisfaction of, mm -hmm. of, of creating music, you know, pushing music out <laughs> into the crowd, feeling their happiness come back to me, yeah. and then that can become a positive. But it, yeah, but if you leak it out there, then it's, yeah. I can't wait for this just piece, what he, Dave just said. I'm gonna have recorded, I'm gonna make about 80 DVDs and send it out to everybody <laughs> I played with. Just listen to this about 20 times over. Well, you know, it's, so I think I might have said it a few shows ago. I, I saw Bruce eight or nine years ago and we ended up at the old, I think we were at the old Spectrum. We got those backs, back of the stadium seats that no one wanted, but you got this amazing view from behind. So I watched him do something that was amazing. I was probably 15 feet from the guy. I mean, it was that close. So there were, there were risers going from under the stage up. So he's one of the first people out there, and his, his ginormous band comes out because he has the horn section, multiple guitar players, percussion, all that, backup singers. He stood at the top of the stairs, huge smile on his face when, you know, my part of the audience was so small that he wouldn't have cared about that because his back was facing the real audience. Huge smile on his face. He was enjoying every minute of it. He's, still, he's already 65 or whatever by then. Every person who came up the steps, he would shake their hand smile and pat them on the back. Every yeah. person who came out. Amazing performance. And it goes a long yeah. way. Yeah, and, and I, I thought he's a modern day Tony Dorsey. He, he's, he's running a full band and he's the cheer, like what you're talking about. He is the supervisor, he's the cheerleader, and, and he's the one who needs to keep them happy so that his show emotes that happiness and then it, it pulls it back. Yeah, and it's it, one of the ways of building the following necessary as it convert, converts to a cover, to a cover band, right. is that the people uh, especially like, like for like for the smoking jackets, we're not we're not an established eighteen year entity like Paul, right. and you know we're we're st we're still new, and it, it's funny because when we play, we're lucky enough to be one of the few cover bands that actually plays the Pony and the Wonder Bar, and they I mean they they treat you like like amazing there, and you know they give you food and everything in the back in in, in the uh, in a in a dressing room, and the last time we played the Wonder Bar, they're like. We don't need to give you guys anything because you don't use it. Because we don't, I mean, they offered it to us. Right. But we get done with our set. We have our quick little communication. Right. Uh, you know, what, what's broken, let's fix it. And then, boom, we're into the crowd. Oh, that's great. And, and, and yeah. you know what? And it can be, it can be aggravating because you're pulled in 50 different directions. And because uh, you've invited so many people on a personal basis and everyone wants yeah. to say hello to you. So, but if you don't do it, all these people, you know, look, they're spending their hard-earned money and, more importantly, their valuable time to come and watch you perform. So you have to give them, I feel you have to give them something back aside from the performance, and, it's, <laughs> and you can't. You, you can't always do it. So we go, we never even see each other at a gig. 
We see each other when we set up on stage in between sets. I don't even see anyone in the band. Scott's got well, that crew. Timmy's over there. Danny's over there. I'm over there. And we're, we're talking. And, and, and inevitably, it's, you know, I'll be right back. I get it back on stage. And, and that translates, uh, translates a lot. The people wanting to come back and see you again. It's huge. Because you gave them that time. Well, you guys, the three of you just gave me a theme for tonight. It literally, it just happened. Because, so here what we're talking about is... Drunk the, Italians? Yes, correct. <laughs> no. you, you, you just killed my theme. Um, let's start the three of you. Um, unbelievable. So, no, but sir, now, we're, like, see, we're all laughing right now, right? Here's what's really cool, is that once we got to truly talking about things, the three of you got stone cold serious because you guys have such respect for the craft. And, right. and if there's anything that I'm getting out of this is that like when you talk about, and, and I think the three of you really talked about the cover bands who just sort of like woof their way through and don't really take it seriously or maybe they don't respect themselves because I'm in a cover band, right? Yeah. They wouldn't do what the three of you have done, which is when we get down to talking to business, I watched all your faces. You guys, like, we'll joke around. We, were, we joked around for a half hour before we went on the air because, I mean, you're fun-loving people. But when we started talking about the business, about performance, about booking, and all those things, you guys just, you were, you that's, were that's serious. The and that's a good thing. You've got to treat it like a business. And I said that in my very first interview. You did. And, and you in did. Jersey, it's tough yeah. because th this is a, a hotbed of entertainment like, like nothing else. Right. And, I mean, it's not just because I've traveled a lot and I see what else is out there and I see what's the best out there. But just through talking to other professional musicians, they'll say, I, I forget where we were. The last time I was uh, with uh, Mark Tornello from, uh, from Accept, from T.T. Uh, T. Quick, he, he, said, uh, he, he said to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, I'm, I'm, he goes, I'm traveling the world. He said, but when I want to jam with the best musicians on this planet, I just come back to Jersey and, and play with my friends. That's because, wonderful. Because yeah. the, and, and, and he's, you know what? And he's right. And, the, and these guys. Number one hotbed in, in the country for guitar players. I mean, these, at, one, at one point. These guys, these guys that play uh, up, up and down, uh, you know, all over in this circuit are, 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 are amazing. Uh, amazing. It, it's just, I have respect for them. You know, some are better than others, but I have total respect for every one of them. Anyone that dares to get on that stage and right. put themselves out there oh, yeah. to try to entertain others. I have utmost respect. And, and without sampling, <laughs> without you know auto tune and all that. Dave Crum is really playing Eruption every night with Big Bang Dave. <laughs> that is a point and of so contention. He can actually and actually get away with it. Yeah. And now, if we, now if we can get well, now it's a speech setup for it. <laughs> yeah. Now if we could get if we could actually get these guys, I think people would be more happy if they learned how to they, if they learned how to get themselves booked and they learned how to treat it like a business, and. Uh, yeah, but you're it, wishing something. You're wishing something that most can't do because, no offense, artists to artists, but most artists learn their instrument not a business. That is That's true. why they need proper representation, and I keep telling them. Well, that. it's the same thing with the advertising thing. You, nobody, nobody went to school to advertise. Fine, if now you can't you, do it, you're, you're putting social media right. here, which is a gigantic advertising tool. And, they and have yeah. no idea how to use. And you can't keep up with it. I, I've, I've been uh, marketing on the internet ever since Al Gore invented it, and. <laughs> Oh, I'm I didn't. Right. You didn't give right. You know, I missed it. You missed yeah. that one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, good. I was I was promoting things online back in 1994 when I was on AOL, paying by the minute. Right, right, right. All the social, all the social medias. The the joke was Scott knows that when when first was MySpace and Facebook, all these things. I would take all the competing nightclubs. I would take all their names. 
Oh, that's brilliant. Because yeah. I, I was always younger than everybody else, and none, no one knew. They really didn't see the emerging social medias. And, uh, I mean, quite frankly, what, what Paul's saying is right. It's too much. If you're a full-time musician, there's no way, no way in a world that you can, that you can be proficient in, in, in the marketing of, of your band. So it's a jack of all trades and master of none. Right. So is yeah. that one of the takeaways from all three of you tonight, that, that if, if someone is a full-time musician, they shouldn't and can't do the, well, I want to talk about rebranding of a band in a minute, but say the, the marketing and, and the solicitation to get live gigs. Do you think they really need representation for something like that? Uh, you know what? I don't know about the, the booking. Having an agent has its advantages and disadvantages. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that a person needs an agent, at least not initially. Uh, maybe you need, I think an agent is, is probably more valuable. Uh, when you first start, I think you should do without an agent. I think you should make a go at it yourself right. and see what you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, then, if you can't make it, if you can't do it, you, you should go. To, you should try an agent. Uh, and if you're very successful, you should have an agent because you need. Uh, at that point, it's it's, it's really mass too. organization. Yeah. And if, you, if you have a Scott, you're going to have such a big internet presence that I would imagine that almost sells you. If someone comes to you and it's like, I've got this band and we've got eight thousand followers on. Twitter or something, that's going to mean something different to you than if they have 12. Well, exactly. And, yeah. and what's interesting is that uh, when, it comes, you know, when it comes to booking a band, the, 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 biggest, the biggest mistake that these guys make is, number one, know your audience. Right. There's nothing more aggravating to me than people who, uh, you know, con who just contact me and they'll say, what kind of music do you do? If you haven't done your homework... If you don't know, and they're, they're not talking to you as a drummer, they're talking, I'm talking to about, you. I'm talking about, like, like, for example, bar anticipation, where I, where I book all the live entertainment. Right. They'll say, you know, do you guys do live music. Well, you should, you should do your homework. It's not very difficult. You go online, and you should know the format of what we do, the days we do, the specials, the special events. You should know if a person comes to me and says, "Hey, look, uh, you guys have that spring bash in April. I'd love to get on that lineup." That's almost uh, two minutes worth of work, though. It's it it is amazing, and I really and I was telling Scott that I should put their compilation of messages. I recently had a message, a voice message from this girl, and I, I have it on my phone. I can't play it because she has her name and everything, and she rambles on and on and on. She talks herself into a pretzel and then says, ah, forget it, and hangs up. <laughs> that, was, that, was the that was a girl who was representing a band. I was about to say that person needs representation. Oh, oh no, it is. No, but this is the person representing it. But the problem is the person representing the band is someone's husband, someone's wife, someone's cousin. Oh, right. You know, the bass player. Or, or the food and beverage or, person down in Atlantic City. Well, yeah, that's another. That's the, another. The food and beverage that, person reporting to the management on the band. I'm like, well, why don't you just have an electrician fix your toilet? Right, but right. they don't. But they don't know their. They don't know their market, and they don't know who to talk to. So they're they're starting out. They're starting with two strikes against them. And then, uh, you know, what's interesting the, so I, the, the social media aspect of it is that's part of that's part of the the marketing. You know, what, what, what do you you know? I always say that you know why are you different? If I'm going to hire you, I want to know why. Right. Is it because you're. Look, you could be half the band as the next band, but if you bring a lot of people because it's a business, then I might be interested. So I want to know why you're different. W what about your band is special rather than just the same old thing? I can't tell you how many times I've told an agent, they go, what did you think? I said, man, they're great. What am I going to do with them? 
Right. Happens all the time. Are they bringing bodies in the door? And then they, and they need to have a plan. Right. You need to have a plan. So uh, most recently, everyone was talking about this new place, uh, Blue Grotto, at Monmouth Park Racetrack, about what a great place that is. Well, I, uh, I made it a point. Again, what I say before, one of the things about getting yourself booked is that personal interaction. I heard that the guy was booking it was at one of the benefits of bar anticipation. I walked up to him. I introduced myself. So welcome to bar anticipation, old thing. I said, I don't know if you heard or not. I said, I have a band called The Smoking Shack because I hear your room's real hot. I said, uh, you know what? I said, I'll be, I said, I'll be happy to send you some information on us. I just want to shake your hand so you know who's, who you're talking to. I'm going to send you some information. Uh, we don't, we'd love to play your room. I said, you know, you know I'll, I'll contact you. I didn't even ask him his contact. I said, I'll contact you. Because he could figure that out. So he said to me, oh, you guys have a Facebook page? I said, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, oh, the smoking jackets. He, he went on there, and he looked at it. He said, oh, wow. You guys have whatever it was. You, you'll, you'll know, like 4,800 or 40, whatever it is, however oh many yeah. followers right. on Facebook. And he said, right away. He goes, give me your number. Because he's smart. Because he saw that he saw that presence right. and you know and and then what if four thousand were from indonesia yeah. <laughs> well you know what it was a, no, the, the, the russians hacked our facebook page that's well that's the thing how people always say to me well how do you get followers um you you put you can share little jokes and videos and things and people will see it and they'll like it and then facebook says joe schmo liked your video but he's not a fan of your page so you just if you have a really hot Post Facebook will tell you that too whether your post is high higher or than ninety five percent of your other posts. That's exactly. what they say every you time. You can go down the list and get invite, 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 invite. Plus, you could just invite your friends. And everybody in the band has to be uh, proactive, inviting their friends and sharing. Yeah, once every, got to be on board. Once every three or four months, as people accept more and more people, because not everyone follows up. Once every three or four months, what I'll do is mm. I'll go through uh, my my friends and invite everybody to like. The smoking jackets page. Right, right, and we do that on and, our page. And, and all every the time. time that happens, all of a sudden there's a big uptick. So I can tell when Scott or Jimmy or Tommy uh, or Danny or any of these guys happen to do that because all of a sudden there's a boom, there's right. there's a jump. Yeah, but it's a, it's it's it's. I think we're going through the dark ages right now. How so? I think we're experiencing from analog to digital. We're all experiencing it right now. It's bad right now because it's 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 finding a way to correct itself. Because I have 10,000 emails, and they're a waste of time now. They're a waste. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at this, this, the, the, the statistics. It's dropped immensely where people aren't even going to look at my email because everybody's email is clogged with spam. Right. And you got Facebook, you got with, with social, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and, 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 and Instagram, and stupid Snapchat. I like, whatever I like the big three. I like the big three. Well, whatever yeah. the case is, the problem is it, it's added 50 times the work to your time of your day. Remember when you had a band, you had a website and you had an emailer. You sent that out and that was it and you talked to people at the show. Right. Now it's different. Now you have all these outlets. People, listen, I was talking to a girl on the phone on Messenger. She's talking to me, hey, how you doing? Where are you playing? I said, why don't you look at your message? The calendar's right above your first message. That's how oh, yeah. disconnected people are. They can't even, while they're on the phone with me, go to my page and find out where I'm playing. Society is broke. Mentally. That's the thing. If you're going to put up a video or something, 
you know, it's got to be brief. I know th this is this is a, a quick two-part yeah. uh, suggestion yeah. here on social media. A um, lot, lot of bands playing Saturday night, and immediately they get home at three o'clock in the morning and post every single picture and every single video that's two hours long on their Facebook page. And guess what? Not only is nobody up watching it, it's too long and there's too many. You gotta you gotta edit yourself. You gotta go through yeah. your pictures. Doctor them up, make them look pretty, crop them, you know, take the drunk girl in the, in the, in the back <laughs> and choking her boyfriend or something uh, and get that out of there. Uh, make it look pretty. Uh, shorten up the videos to less than a minute or less. And that ties directly into getting yourself booked. You know, it's, uh, you don't get cassettes anymore. And probably one of my pet peeves is don't make the booker work. Right. I'm not right. working for you. If you're going to say to me, if you're going to send me an email and it says, go to this link, go to this link, go to this link, go to this link, I'm not doing it. So if you're going to, so if you're going to send video, short video, make sure there's a crowd. If you <laughs> yeah. send a photo, make sure it's not you and, and the four guys sitting on the boardwalk at four o'clock in the morning. Right. It needs to be action. Like, let me, and you'd be shocked. I, I would say 80% of the videos I get from bands are... The band is playing, and there is not one single person that well, you can even see. Well, let me do this. So you said before, know your audience, right? Absolutely. So now, in this situation, you're the audience. So like, if I, if, if I hit my mic there. If, if I were in a band, I'd be thinking, all right, what does Tommy want? Tommy wants good people coming into his venue. He wants to fill it. He wants it to be positive. So like, what they have to be thinking, if I'm hearing you right, is they have to think, what is this guy? And it doesn't have to be bar A, but whatever bar they're calling, they have to think, what are the needs of the person I'm reaching out to instead of just saying, I look good here. Well, that's not enough. I sound good here. That's not enough. What, what is going to make Tommy want to get me in his venue, right? Yeah, well, what you have to, and you know what, and I'm, I'm probably more of the exception than the rule, but I, I would say because I'm more educated in the business than most of the people that are, that are booking uh, a right. lot of the rooms. Right. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's, it's either a club owner that's so busy with biz business or people right. just kind of inherited the position. It's real simple. If you show a person a video of a band, the band's having a great time, the room is packed, and everyone, and everyone that's watching the band is having a great time, you're going to look at that, you're going to say, that's a good band. I want that in my room. Right, right. I right. want that energy. I want, I want, uh, it, and, and you know what? And audio, and audio tracks don't even have to be great. Everyone that, look at the guys, they're jumping around on stage. Sometimes it's just magic in a bottle. Yeah. Look, look, look at that crowd. There are a lot of great Boom. bands that don't necessarily have great musicians. There are a lot of those too. But there, I've seen a lot of bands that were extremely entertaining. Right. Uh, the, and the guitar player wasn't that great. And I call them the Smoking Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, I, I once saw Steely Dan. I don't remember seeing Steely Dan. They're amazing, but they just stood there and played great. Right. And that's, that's an exaggerated example. But they didn't have a, they had no state, so squeeze one. But the so, cover yeah. circuit is different because you're not, yeah. buy, you're basically really not buying prepaid tickets. That's why it's such a dark business. You right. know, most of the other shows you're going to see, you're paying for a ticket, you want to see it. Yeah. The cover circuit's different. You're going to a party. Right, yeah. right. And the thing is, is that if, if there's a built-in crowd there, you know what, we're, we were very popular for that at a state of, they saw the bar ring. And they said, Big Bang makes a big bar ring because of the way we get the crowd amped up. I have a sponsor, we have drinks. People want to drink more, it's all psychological. So it makes the bar ring up. Owners like that, Tommy knows. Tommy knows better than me, he's the pro at it. You know, even if it's not a packed house, well, how do we do in the bar ring? Did the band keep the crowd that was existing there? 
Well, because it's because it, it's a bottom line business, even more so. I mean, bottom if, line. If you're if you're playing PNC Art Center, uh, you know, or, or anytime I was booking a national, how much the national got paid is based was based on seats, right? And assuming that they're going to sell right. out the house. So there's a formula with the cover bands. What they don't understand is that, that there is a formula, and a lot of times, but it's not the formula they think it is. Exactly. But a lot yeah. of times they're like, well, we can we'll entertain. Here it is every time we'll entertain your crowd. And, well, look, I wish that were the case. I wish that were the case. But the, the bottom line is we need help bringing people in. Now, sadly, there's, there's people in this business that, that own or operate clubs that don't help the bands. You can't just, you can't throw you're a band kidding. out there and expect, if you're, if you're booking bands expecting them to fill your room, you're not going to last in the business. You've got to work with the bands and, and help the bands. And, you know, part of the form is if you're not charging cover, you need a bar ring. Because that's how you're paying your staff, your insurance, your electric, your entertainment costs, the DJ, the sound guy, all, all those things all come into it. And if there's not a cover charge, you've got to do it another way. And like you said, it's not just having them there, it's keeping them there once they're there. And the cell phones have changed that. Technology has changed that because you know why? Because if they're not having harder. fun in that first set, <laughs> it's harder. If they're not having fun in that first set, you know what they're doing? Click, 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 it sucks here. Where are you guys? Right. Or it's great here, come here now. Yep. And that's it's no longer, he's right, it's no longer, if you were a cover band in the 90s and early Y2K, you could do a song and just sit there for three minutes on stage with dead silence while you're drinking a beer and everybody would be hanging. Now, just like Tommy said, and I witnessed it all the time, with the new thinking and the ADHD, yeah. you're halfway through a half a song and I'll catch females walking off the dance floor. Because that's how, that's how bad their attention deficit disorder is. That's how it's ramped up over the years. I've watched it climb over the years. Right. And watched myself work harder. At one point, I used to say, well, this show's key. This one's not so key. This show's this. Now, and I get into a couple, a couple of years later, well, this show's more important. We gotta, we gotta start remembering this one. Now, it's ramped up all the way to, this song's important. I actually did yeah. a song, it was at Barre, and it's funny because it's entertaining too because it, we were in the middle of a song, and I looked at the whole band, stop right now. They go, stop. Just, we just stopped right in the middle of the song. Dead silence. And, and then the whole crowd went, now I was like, now I all have your attention. Oh, that's funny. Because they were on their phones, and you didn't like the song. So I stopped the band right in the middle. I said, <laughs> now I have all your attention, because they all looked up at me. That's a great idea. You know, it's funny. I, um, I took my son out to dinner three, four, five weeks ago. I was really happy with one of our promos for the show. I say, Max, take a look. And he had to sit through maybe 70 seconds. He made it to 30. Wow. <laughs> he, he's just turned 17. And, and it's That's and very true. Congratulations yeah. on getting 30 seconds. I was proud of that. Wow. But that but why? I had texted it to him, but no, I had to take my phone. And he's such a nice boy. He wasn't interested at all. <laughs> but when dad's putting it in front of him, he, thought he, he forced himself to suffer through 30 seconds worth. Yeah, that's really cool, dad. And then he just took his phone phone out and went back. But so it's a different thing. Now, what I told you guys before we started that has proven true, this is our 10th episode, beginning of season two. We've broken an hour already. Um, so what I want to do right now is get some closing thoughts from each of you. Let me start with you. Uh, we haven't really delved into how you, Tommy said, you keep your band fresh. Give us some thoughts about how bands lose it and they just get stuck with their mullets in Rosington Collins versus how you guys have managed to stay on top. What, what are some thoughts? It's really hard. I think for most, most musicians need guidance. They learn the instrument proficiently, right. but they need guidance. 
when they start thinking out of the box aside from their instrument is where I step in. Because there's only a few, there's only a few rainmakers. There's a lot of musicians, a lot of talent, but there's only a few rainmakers. And right. one sitting next to me right here as well. You know, and the rainmakers are the ones that keep an eye on everything and keep an eye on the trends before they turn. And that's what I do. Right. I watch it get started. Even when I'm doing a song on stage, I, I know how long it will last, six months, a year. I'll watch people, I'll watch how we play it. We start to get exhausted playing it. It doesn't convey as much to the crowd. It's time to get rid of it. Well, it's still popular. It doesn't matter. We're sick of playing it. It's right. going. And then the audience doesn't feel it from you. Right. So yeah. I start to refurbish that. And then there'll be what I'll do every year. But every year I'll always have a new theme for a show, especially at Bari, where that's our home, where we started. Right. We'll have one show called Summer Jam, Memorial Day kickoff, and then we have the New Year's. Those are special shows to refresh, to give somebody different, a visual of who we are. Right, right. You know what I mean? To go back to the other thing. But I'll always refurbish my show with something new, a new instrument, like you said, I brought a fiddle player in for one season. Or, you know, maybe next year I'll bring the guy in from the subway with the spackle buckets. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. Whatever the case is. But it's, it's, and what I did for a long time too is I moved, I, it was, a, my band was rotating almost like Neil Perch Kit did when in a circle. Sure. We did that with the stage. We rotated everybody. Three songs and it moves. Three songs and it moves. Three songs. Everybody's getting a different visual of who's where. So they're not looking at my guitar player all night just over there. So we're moving it because people get visually bored. What you're really talking about is you're keeping your eye on the ball. Before the ball even drops. Right. That makes sense. That's closing thoughts, Tommy. How to get, it, how to get past you into your, into your venue? <laughs> well, they need to t number one, they need to take it seriously and, and understand that it's a business. And uh, I, I've, I've said in the past, I've said this to, to Paul, is that you know, a lot of these musicians are the original millennials. And you know, I'll get grief for saying that, but there, there's a sense of entitlement. Right. You're not entitled to get a gig at any bar anywhere. Thank it is know. a job, it is a real job. You need to take it seriously. You need to understand your market. You, you need to have a plan. Know, you know, know what you're gonna do. You have to sell yourself. And when you're selling yourself, like for me, not I'll say, show me, don't tell me. You, don't tell me how great you are. And you know what else don't do? Don't tell me how much better you are than all the other bands that play. Oh, we're better than this band. We're better. You know, once a person starts with that, I know they have an attitude. I won't even go near them. Right. You know, don't try to, you, 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 you know, don't talk bad about any musicians, even if they deserve it. You, you shouldn't do that. I mean, you know, they're there and they're there for It's all reason. negative energy. So, yeah. So if, if, if they can approach it like a business, put the energy into it, be professional, uh, have something different, know how to market yourself and come to you with a plan. I mean, no, very few people come to you with a plan and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to promote the gig. And here's why we're different. The, rather than, or I get, oh yeah, we, we, we play a lot in New York. We want to get down on the Jersey Shore. We play a lot in Pennsylvania. We want to get down on the Jersey Shore. Uh, we, we love your bar. And the bartender said we'd be great here. <laughs> and here's three links. Click on these links. And you know, every once in a while, if I, if I see something local, because if it's local, it's more likely to work. Right. Uh, I'll click on a link, and, and I see a person in a, you know, a, a, you know, four four guys playing in an, in an empty pub somewhere. It's not going to work. That's helpful. All right, Scott. Media. I think <laughs> I've covered most of it, but I like to add that uh, it's important when you post your media, your now edited short video that you took on Saturday night in front of people, hopefully. Right. Okay, and uh, you know, it's camera angles. If there's, 
there's two people deep in there, you can make it look like a full room. You gotta be creative with, with what you're putting up there. That being said, Sunday is the worst day to post anything, the day after the gig. It is, it is statistically shown to be the lowest amount of views and the lowest amount of shares. And is it Sunday. your sense that if someone isn't willing to learn social media, don't do it? Yeah, I mean, definitely don't get in trouble with saying something awful or posting something awful because yeah. it's a business. We've been, I think that's the big takeaway here. Yeah. You wouldn't want to put an, an awful picture on the, on the front of your brick and mortar building at the window pointing it to the customers that chase people away. Well, it's the same thing with your band and your business and your Facebook page. Keep it clean, keep it fun, keep it lightweight and, and post those optimal times. You know, if I could, if I could yeah. add to that too, the other part of marketing the band is, uh, is you're, you're also marketing yourself. So not everything you put out there, uh, you know, the world's different now. It's not just all about the band. Yeah, right. It's about it's you personalities. Could put, you, you could talk about other things. So you know, uh, you know, even uh, a happy holidays thing is. I mean, that's the the old school way. But nowadays, it's kind of like, hey, we're doing this. This is interesting, or that's interesting. Hey, you might want to know this or that. So if you're adding other messages besides just the promoting of your band, a person might be more likely to watch something if they say, oh, if if they don't already think they know what it is. Now that's a great point. And I'm seeing now, you know, now that our website is, and our Facebook page is pretty active, I have a lot of more guitar players than I've ever had, and I see people will do things. They'll post photography. You know, there's there's a lot of you know, you, you paint. You put yeah, that up, and, and you're painting. You're, <laughs> yeah, it's I wonderful what you've been it's doing. It's actually good. Thank you. It's fabulous. Uh, this has been an amazing hour, guys. It's been so much fun. I mean, I really appreciate Absolutely. all of you joining Thanks us. Thanks for having my friends on the show and, and, and having so, me back. Oh, my God. It was so much fun having you as a co-host. I was just getting warmed up, too. I'm really bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> I, got lot, you back. I got a lot of bitching to do. Drink more wine? There you go. All right. We'll drink more wine. Listen, I know, I was I'm going to let those guys keep going, but we're going to keep drinking, but we're going to end the show now. Um, I want to thank all of our viewers uh, for watching uh, Guitar Tales. This is the beginning of season two. We have so many great shows lined up. Uh, for this season. Uh, make sure when you go to our YouTube page to watch our shows, subscribe. That's the hardest uh, time we're having. Facebook, we're doing great. We have a lot of subscribers on Facebook, which is called followers. Um, it's not a lot of work. You take your finger and you go like this. It's, it's not that hard. You could subscribe. Uh, that will give you advance notice of any new shows that will be dropping. That's a new word I learned. Um, and again, we have our cool t-shirts. I will thank again. Here's the back from Riverview Studios with our hand model. And thank you again, uh, Mary, for doing a great job with it. Uh, we have a fabulous season two in front of us. Have a great night, and thank you again for joining us. This is Dave Cohen signing off.